Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Forza Italian Football's My Greatest Game Series. We have Vito Doria back on the pod to talk about Sassuolo 3, Sampdoria 5 from the 2018-19 season. So we figured we'd get Kev Pogzelski involved, get the whole band back together and bring you something resembling a regular Forza Italian Football podcast. Enjoy. <laughs> Okay, Vito Doria, you are back to talk about yet another of your favourite games and it will come as less of a surprise to the listeners that we're focusing in on a Sampdoria win this time. Came last last March, actually almost exactly a year ago, away to Sassuolo in a thrilling game, Sassuolo 3, Sampdoria 5. And it sounds quite, maybe it's an obvious answer, but why have you chosen this game? Well, the two... Obvious points uh, that Sampdoria won and that uh, the way they did it, they did it with style. It was a performance that was entertaining and pleasing on the eye. So that's why I went for this particular game. Another reason I went for it was I wanted to go for a game that was a bit more interesting in the sense that the opposition actually, you know, put some goals in and they added a bit of excitement to the game. Otherwise, there were quite a few one-sided games that I personally enjoyed because we owned the opposition, but I think it would have been unappealing for listeners. I think it would have just been me just being happy. And there are quite a few that I could roll off, whether it be from recent years or even one as far back as the 2004-2005 season. One of the first Sampdoria games I watched live on television was them which winning 4-1 against Lecce when Zdan Zeman was the coach. And uh, although, and some back then had a decent side, not many household names, but they still managed to finish fifth in that year. So, yeah, that would have been happy for me, but everyone else, I don't know. I don't think that would get much thought. Whereas with this one, uh, Marco Sampdoria, very entertaining side, and 
the Zerbi has been coaching Sassuolo for two years, and although they're not consistent in terms of results, they're a team that know how to put a show on during their day. Yeah, they absolutely do. I remember following this one while I was on the train to, to Ferrara to see Spal fired forward by Andrea Patania beat Claudio Ranieri's Roma. This would have been probably kicking off at 11 o'clock your time or close to midnight. Do you, did you stay up to watch this game? Uh, to be honest, I'm not, I did not watch this one live. Uh, maybe it would have been because of the scheduling due to our pod or we would have had a game that would have been late night European time or early Australian morning, like a 6.45 kickoff. So maybe I would have uh, woken up earlier for or that preceding game. So I ended up watching this as a replay. I saved it on um, my prescription, uh, not prescription, subscription TV box. So in Australia, we have a thing called Foxtel when the specific box not used is known as an IQ3 box and I can record previous games. Fortunately, with a lot of sump games, they get uh, broadcasted on TV or the replay is shown midway in the afternoon. So I could sit down, watch the game. Although I would know the score, I still like to enjoy the game and go through the motions, see how teams play play-by-play. Play. And um, it was one of those games where both teams really were pleasing on the iron, especially sump under the jump polo. When things were working right, they were an absolute delight to watch and at least from a personal point of view, they're probably one of the best sump sides to have to that I have seen, especially from a entertainment value. Yeah, they definitely were that for sure. So you didn't watch it live, I didn't watch it live. So what we've done, we've brought in a special guest for this My Favourite Game podcast. Regular listeners will know, big Kev Pugzelski. Kev, did you watch this game live? I got a feeling it was the really early game, wasn't it? No, it was three o'clock. It was three o'clock. Two o'clock for you. It was a Saturday game, so there were no early, early games that day. Oh, then it would have been no. Looking at the time of it, it would have been a bit difficult because it probably, if it got broadcast, you have the you have the 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 shutout or whatever they call it over here for between three and five fifteen. So I would have missed at least one goal. Um, and by then, I'm usually heading towards the pub, Connor, you know me. I think you're probably already a couple deep by three o'clock on a Saturday afternoon, because I do know you. But this this game came in round 28, and you were you had established yourself as a regular on the pod by this point, Kev, after succeeding Nick. And Samp were quite exciting for us to, to keep an eye on. Vito was getting stressed out by them every week, but round 28, they were just five points off Atalanta, who were in sixth at the time. And Atalanta obviously went on to clinch Champions League qualification and third place. So Samp were doing quite well for themselves. Yeah, they were. We were they were always in the discussion of whether they would clinch a European place. And obviously that didn't ultimately um happen for them. And I can't remember if they started to to nosedive shortly after this because you know 28 games in it was pretty far into the season but didn't have the uh the longevity or the um the staying power shall we say one of the most remarkable things about this game for me is that you get up the the match sheet 
And there were eight goals scored remarkably by eight different players. And Vito, this just feeds into what you were saying about both teams having a coach who encouraged his boys to get forward and to, to get involved in the attacks. Well, well, that's one of the things that made this game so delightful, that it was just an absolute goal fest. Some were involved with quite a few games where you got um, some goals in it. For instance, there was the um, there was the three-all draw away to Fiorentina, um, later in the season, there was a three-all draw with Parma. And those two games alone, I think, should have had more than six goals. Uh, it was a 4-2 way game away to Empoli, which ended 4-2 to Sump. Some lovely goals in that. Uh, and, yeah, again, both teams were on the attack. So, you know, and aesthetically pleasing, all great games to watch. And this particular one, what I really liked was that especially from some perspective, the execution of the goals were absolutely superb. Um, they weren't really outstanding individual goals, but just the team play, the passing movements and the technique on how how the team were able to construct those goals in the way they did, uh, for me, that it was just absolutely sublime, at least the Sampdoria goals. For Sassuolo, they showed that Sampdoria had vulnerabilities at the back, and uh, they, the construction of their goals was fairly good, but they were a bit more direct than usual with some of their goals, and the way you see the, the two goals in the second half from Duncan and Babaka, it showed that they weren't uh, afraid to take a crack from distance when they needed to. One of the things about this, this Samp attack is just how fluidly they played together, especially even after Manolo Gabbiadini came in. And you saw that in their first goal. Quagliarella plays a big switch to Gabbiadini, who knocks it down for De Frel, who runs in and finishes it. I think it was the first goal. But you said those two 3-3 games, both away at Parma and away at Fiorentina. I was at both of those. So I was well-versed in watching this ridiculously entertaining Sampdoria side who could score at will, but also collapse at the back, seemingly just out of absolutely nowhere. But one of the, the big reasons behind Sam's success last season was obviously Fabio Quagliarella. And me and Vito, we clearly rate him quite highly. And this podcast was always going to go down the, the route of talking about how amazing Quags is. So I thought it was only fair in the balance of justice to in the interest of balance to bring on Kev Pogzelski, who, as we know, hates Qualiarella and would rather see him never play a football match again than to watch him score a beautiful goal. Kev, but <laughs> you've got to take your hat off to, to what Quags achieved last season. He scored in this game just the once, but he scored twice in that away draw with Fiorentina and twice in that away draw with Parma to contribute to his 26 goals which led him to be crowned Capo Cannonieri at 36 years old. Oh yeah, it was a it was a fantastic um, achievement by Fabio. I must say, I think probably two weeks after this, we would have had Easter, and I was in Bologna to watch Bologna take on Sampdoria, and not only did I see the defensive collapse from Samp, but I also must have picked the only game where Qualiarella <laughs> didn't do anything at all but uh you know that one game doesn't make a season and um 
his overall contribution to, to last year was phenomenal. Was that a game where Bologna won 3 0? Bologna certainly scored three. Yeah. I'm looking at I wasn't sure then if Samp had got one. But uh, no, Tonelli not was not, um, not having a great day. Right, but let's let's talk about some positives for Samp. Come on. You've got to take your hat off to Qualiorella at, at 36. He had done well the previous season and managed to, to outdo himself this year. And this is, this is someone who, as we were speaking about off-air, has played just about everywhere in Italy, including some of the big clubs in Napoli and Juve. He's played at Udinese. He's played everywhere. And it just really clicked for him under Gianpaolo at Sampdoria. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Do you think, though, that um, his games changed drastically? Because sometimes I think that last year was just in a ridiculously prolific season for him. And actually, you get the same output. You know, his, his team play, you get you get a similar output from him still now, just without, you know, that that. The, number, the sheer number of goals he was getting last season. So I don't think he's, you know, people look at the statistics and see that he's having a, a worse, in inverted commas, um, season than he did last year. But I don't actually think his performances have dropped significantly. I would agree with that. I will throw it over to Vito in a minute, though. But the fact is, he's, strikers tend to, to mature as they develop in their career. They have a better understanding of how to approach chances and what positions to be in which is only natural and playing in a team coached by Marco Giampaolo you're always going to get opportunities and to go from that to playing under Claudio Ranieri who basically prioritizes setting things up with solidity at the back and, and not really prioritizing the attacking output so 
I think Quagliarella's return this season isn't actually too bad. But Vito, what do you think? Has his performance dipped this season or was last year always just going to be impossible to match? Although I think last season was going to be impossible to match, uh, I did have some feelings that maybe Quagliarella was sort of past there and that was time to hang hang up the boots. But as I saw the current season as it stands progress, I thought that uh, more than anything, whether it be the tactics of Di Francesco or Ranieri, uh, it was more that uh, Quagliarella, I think sometimes it would be the tactics and other times be just overall with the lack of chances coming through like they did under Giampaolo. And I'm not just talking about last season, I'm talking about the three seasons under Giampaolo. Uh, the link-up play is far different. So he's not going to be getting the ball like he did under Giampaolo. And also the quantity of service as well as the quality is not going to be there. So to score nine goals in 21 games probably isn't too bad for someone who turned 37 in January. No, not at all. Before this era of Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo as well, a goal every two games for a striker was considered quite impressive. And he's not far off that with 9-21. and 21. And for a 37-year-old, as you said, he's doing all right. But what kind of sh- shook me a little bit was that when Giampaolo left, Quagliarella was almost quite critical of his, his man management, saying that, he, look, he never spoke to me. I didn't speak to him for three months before he left and all this. And it, it just it came as a bit of a surprise to me given he had had his best ever season under him the best ever seasons under him but wasn't to be back to this game it was kind of a perfect mix though right because Roberto Zerbi he doesn't really care about defending either Kevin it was two teams that just kind of went at each other yeah well if it's a swallow are playing then you generally you turn on to watch them because they have been one of the most entertaining sides in Serie A in, in recent seasons. Oddly, I, I, as we were sort of coming on, it dawned on me that Vito had also chosen Sassuolo's victory over yeah. Milan as one of his other favourite games. So I'm wondering if he's a, a closet Sassuolo <laughs> fan. He doesn't even realise it himself yet. <laughs> and actually, it's not Sam that he enjoyed so much out of this game, even though they lost, but it was a swallow. But, um... <laughs> I'm going to argue Vito's case here, but Vito has always been a, someone who champions attacking football. And in Roberto De Zerbi, they have someone who plays or sets up his teams exactly as I would imagine Vito would if he was a coach as well. I think the surprising thing about this game is that of all the goals... Uh, Jeremy Bogers is the one that's the tapping because he's yeah. kind of this season scored those real uh, I was going to use the term weldy but let's just say uh, individual efforts and uh, kind of that's what you got from um, Alfred yeah. Duncan from um, Kuma Babakar yeah that's right yeah just Boga yeah he, yeah especially with the benefit of hindsight in 2019-2020 uh, Bogers scored some lovely goals for the Nero Verdi but uh, in this particular game, he probably scored the most boring one of the lot. Yeah, it was. It was kind of disappointing because I didn't remember all of the goals when I was watching this one back. And 
I knew Boga scored, so I was kind of waiting for it. Be like, oh, I can't wait to see him dribble past all of the Samp team and then embarrass the goalkeeper. But then it was just a little poke from under the crossbar, basically. And feel a little bit let down by Jeremy. I'll have to have a word with him the next time I'm in Reggio Emilia, if I'm ever allowed back there. But yeah, I don't know. It was one of those games, right? It was March, so things are starting to get a little bit tense in this area season, especially with Sam not ruled out of qualifying for Europe. So to get a game like this is is always a joy. And I do think the fact that it was a, it was a lovely afternoon coming into spring really played into that. And it was just a, a lovely all-time for everybody involved. Has anyone got any anything else to say about this one? Uh, well, not particularly because perhaps I'll be repeating stuff that we would have said during the actual podcast when we had reviewed that round in general. But, well, one thing that I'll say that I would have said back then is that, yeah, just to see eight individual goal scorers in that game was something incredible. And just the quality of the goals were just delightful. So, um, yeah, delightful play. And actually one thing, looking back, was that the Frel was playing behind Quayarel and Gabbiadini. I was a bit disappointed that uh, he Giampaolo did not stick with that because they worked so well in that game. Um, a lot of the time of that season, there was a lot of rotation between Gaston Ramirez, Ricardo Saponara, and Gianluca Caprari in that trequatista role. And sometimes I had to play Caprari as a support striker. Me personally, I think Caprari played his best when he was behind the strikers, but that's just me. But yeah, um, yeah, this was one of those games that really was a reflection of the Giampaolo era. And although we didn't qualify for the Europa League, um, there were some games that were still quite memorable and as we were saying early on, at least with this one, you had both teams putting on a show, whereas the others, I don't think uh, our listeners would want to let me ramble on for 20 minutes about a one-sided display. So <laughs> even if we do one day relieve our glory days of the late 80s and early 90s and smash big teams and rival teams, uh, yeah, not much of a discussion point. Not Vito, don't rule don't rule that out just yet. This could go on for quite some time. We might be looking yeah. for some more filler soon enough. Um, speaking about Gianpaolo, obviously he moved on to, to Milan and it went terribly wrong for him there. Would you take him back? Yeah, I would actually. Um, I think the club was right for him and he was right for us. Uh, Given the circumstances so far, look, I think Ranieri has done a fine job to steady the ship, but uh, more than anything, Di Francesco sadly left a bit of a mess. So even if Giampaolo were to come back and we'd be stuck mid-table for me, I think that's much better than seeing the Lucio Chiatti fight off relegation because uh, every team has the goals and expectations for me. Look, with Samp, as much as I'd love to see the Doriani fighting for a spot in Europe or playing in a European competition again, uh, mid-table mid mediocrity is really our level. Considering the players at our disposal and the sort of finances the club has, um, reliving the glory days is nothing more than fantasy at this stage. But Paul can make mid-table mediocrity look more pleasing. It'd be nice to see, you know, get some 
back up the table a little bit more, have Qualiorella scoring goals to shut Mr. Pogzelski up. One thing that jumped out at me in the first half of this game was that two of the mistakes that, or two of the goals that Sass, that Sampdoria scored came from Sassuolo errors, namely from Stefano Sensi and Demiral, who are now obviously at Inter and Juventus respectively. So Kev, if you want to get a move to a title hopeful, make a mistake against a mid-table side and it's, it's sure to come true. Um, okay, yeah. Well, I, I'm sure you're. I'm sure you're looking for me to pick something out. But then Juve haven't picked up Robin Olsen yet, so um, you know there's, there's still time for our favourite He's living the life inside there, Neil, mate. He doesn't want to go to Turin. He turned wow. on there. Would you rather play for Cagliari or Juventus? Um, the weather's probably nicer in Sardinia. I think I'd rather play for Cagliari, you know. Yeah. Be funnier. It would, wouldn't it? Be more interesting. (laughs) Probably. All right, Vito, thank you for coming on to talk about another of your favourite games. And Kev, thanks for for coming on as well, I suppose. It's all right. It's helped me through the isolation. That's what I'm here for, to hold your hand through difficult situations.
la mano, chi legna sovrano, chi suda, chi lotta, chi mangia una volta, chi gli manca la casa, chi vive da solo, chi prende assai poco, chi gioca col fuoco, chi vive in Calabria, chi vive d'amore, chi ha fatto la guerra, chi prende il 60, chi arriva agli 80, chi muore al lavoro, na 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 ma il cielo è sempre più blu. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 